Greetings in the precious name of the Lord Jesus. It's a uh, joy to see all of you this morning. <clears throat> and a welcome to all, and especially our guests today. Thank you for your presence with us. We trust that you have and will be encouraged in your walk with God. Thankful for the things that were shared here today and the uh, testimonies of God's faithfulness. God is good. <clears throat> and we uh, delight in hearing how he... Uh, how he works in people's lives to bring them along the journey, meets the need of the heart. So thank God for that. <clears throat> for those of you who uh, remember Jake and Agatha Friesen, who from Ontario, lived among us some years ago. We spent last weekend with them in the church there, and they do send their greetings to you all here. At a very nice time at the Pilgrim Church there in uh, southwestern Ontario, or south-central Ontario, just uh, not far from uh, Detroit, Michigan, actually. And... Um, yeah, enjoyed uh, renewing our friendships and encouraging them in the things of the Lord. <clears throat> I um, I did manage to pick up a cold somewhere along the way, so if I am clearing my throat numerous times this morning, why well, uh, you would just have to pardon that. And uh, hopefully, <clears throat> hopefully my voice will hold up. I uh, probably won't get too enthusiastic with my uh, volume today. <clears throat> so yes, we uh, we are looking at the subject of uh, assurance, somewhat. Uh, the I'm continuing in the. Uh, our study of the uh, our confession of faith and practice, and today I am studying and teaching on uh, the article number ten, which is the sanctification and assurance of the believer is is, is his title, and uh, I've titled the message just just that sanctification and assurance of the believer. You know the. Uh, <clears throat> The message can actually be summed up in one verse in the scriptures. When we talk about uh, sanctification and assurance, we can sum it up with Romans 8 verse 1, which says this. Oh, when I need it, it slips. There is, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. That verse sums up our message today. <clears throat> and uh, 
You know, the uh, when we talk about sanctification, well, let's just make a comment about assurance first, and we'll we'll look at it more as we go. But this verse speaks of no condemnation, and of course, the opposite of condemnation is assurance. And so, uh, there is a place of assurance for the believer. There is a place to live where there is no condemnation. Uh, there is God intended that, and that is God's heart for His children. Uh, God did not uh, design the Christian life and his purpose for his children. Uh, he did not design it in such a way that it is uh, difficult to live in its realities or that it's somehow elusive. You can't quite reach it. You can't quite uh, possess it. You can't quite experience it. It's just somehow a little, it's elusive. He didn't design it that way. He, he intended that we live in its full reality and enjoy our walk with Him, uh, our walk of uh, faith and, uh, and peace. And uh, <clears throat> he, he desires it for us that way. Now, as this scripture says that there's... Uh, no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. This scripture also sums up the, uh, the point of struggle, the point of conflict that every believer faces. And the point of where the Christian's conflict is. And it's the simple thing of whether we are living by the uh, dictates or the uh, beckoning of our flesh, or whether we are living and uh, and uh, living by the uh, the uh, promptings, the guidance, the leading of the Holy Spirit, and that is uh, that is the that's the battlefront for the believer. That's the uh, that's where the whole uh, subject of sanctification comes in at. Uh, we don't just after we receive the Lord Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, and we yield our lives to Him. I know that probably every one of us know full well that it's not uh, live happily ever after, uh, do all the right things all the time, every time, uh, like we maybe would wish it would be. <clears throat> But it's a, it's a life journey. It's a life journey of learning to discern the voices, you know, the promptings, the, the, the things that are going on inside our hearts. A life journey of learning to discern what is the Spirit of God and what is flesh. Uh, what is a, spirit, a, a, a Spirit-led response? What is a flesh-led response? To be able to discern those things <clears throat> and to be able to, uh, as we grow in the Lord, to see more and more of the fruit of God's Spirit at work in our lives and less and less of the flesh and its, uh, its, uh, <clears throat> its dictates. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, there's, uh, there's, there's the beauty of uh, the new birth which changes a lot of things in life uh, and 
Different people probably experience it in different levels. Some drunkards uh, get born again and never have a temptation for a drink. And another drunkard gets born again and they battle the rest of their life to stay free from alcohol. Why is that? I don't know. (laughs) But it's a reality. It's true. Um, And uh, so, uh, while there is that beauty of the new birth and the change of heart and the change of loves and the change of passion within a man and a woman, there is the reality of uh, uh, learning to walk in the Spirit. Learning to walk uh, and learning to hear the, uh, the Spirit of God as it prompts our hearts and as it uh, endeavors to guide us. <clears throat> so we want to talk a bit about that today. Uh, maybe I'll bore you now with the rest of the message because I gave you the message in a nutshell. Uh, but uh, hopefully we can uh, meet it out a bit <clears throat> and it can still be of uh, interest and, uh, and, uh, and we can be blessed by it. The, uh, the first point we'd like to consider, and I'm going to pretty much uh, follow the points as they're given in the confession and then uh, discuss, uh, try to give some discussion on each one, give some input on each one, and... Uh, uh, help us to uh, understand these things from a scriptural uh, perspective. <clears throat> the first point is that God's Holy Spirit comes into the heart of every true believer at salvation. Jesus spoke of the Holy Spirit coming in uh, John 15, verse 26, when he said that the Comforter, uh, but he says, but when the Comforter is come, whom I will send, send unto you from the Father even the Spirit of truth which proceedeth from the Father he shall testify of me. And so Jesus he uh, told his disciples that uh, the Holy Spirit would be coming. After he leaves he would send his Spirit to come and dwell in our hearts. And and like this uh, uh, comment is, God's Spirit comes into the heart of every true believer at salvation. Let's also look at Ephesians 1, verses 13 and 14. The scripture says, talks here about the Spirit of promise, in whom, and speaking of Christ, in whom ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also... After that ye believed, ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. There the scripture tells us that uh, after that ye believed, ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Uh, You might say, uh, for the word... Sealed there. Maybe we would say, uh, maybe we would say uh, it, you were identified. Um, you know, things are manu- uh, manufacturers today. They make things and then they put something on that identifies every part. You know, it's uh, that part is it's identified. When you be- believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, that the Spirit of God comes into you and identifies you as one of his. You're, you're sealed with it. You're marked, in a sense, by the Spirit that is in you. <clears throat> and so here, this scripture specifically bears it out that 
after you believed, when you believed, you were sealed with the spirit of promise. Uh, in uh, in just a page over in Rome in uh, Ephesians four verse thirty, uh, it also gives that it, it same term of being sealed. It says, "And grieve not the Holy Spirit, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption." And I read that just to. Uh, draw our attention again to that idea of, of sealed. You know, the Spirit of God is is in us. It is with us. It is what identifies us, in a sense, as a uh, as one of God's children. <clears throat> and then over to Romans, chapter eight, verse nine. The Scripture tells us this. Paul teaching us, says, But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And there we have the contrast given that if we uh, don't have the Spirit of Christ, then we are none of his. And so, again, it, it confirms this truth that when we uh, that the Holy Spirit comes into the heart of the believer at salvation, the true believer. If we don't have the Spirit of Christ, we are none of His. And so, if we don't have the Spirit of Christ, then I think it's safe to say we haven't experienced salvation. If we've experienced salvation, then the Spirit uh, of God comes into us and uh, dwells there. Comes into the heart of the believer. <clears throat> And if we don't have the Spirit, then we, we've not experienced salvation. So, it again confirms that truth that uh, the Holy Spirit does come into the heart of the believer at salvation. <clears throat> the, uh, the next point that we'd like to consider is, that the, uh, is the assurance of the believer. And there are several things that uh, are listed here that we can be assured of. And one of them is the forgiveness of sins <clears throat> and uh, we we need that don't we as uh, uh, as uh, human beings there's uh, there's uh, well uh, one of our sisters mentioned uh, yeah in, in testimony that uh, after having forgiven others the freedom that was experienced and that's uh, that's the joy of knowing our sins are forgiven. We were, you know, we were, uh, we were, there was something in our heart that wasn't right. We were holding out on someone. We were carrying a grudge, whatever it was. And then we repented of it. We forgave. We uh, released the person. And all of a sudden, there's a freedom and a, and a, and a grace in our hearts that <clears throat> is a tremendous blessing. When we think about the assurance of our sins forgiven, First uh, John one nine, a familiar scripture. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. <clears throat> it's a very uh, familiar scripture, and sometimes is abused. Uh, people with uh, with the uh, that don't that have a wrong view of sanctification. At times, we'll use a verse like that as a as a kind of a, an end of the day cleanup, you know, where they confess their sins for that day and and uh, 
feel like they're forgiven because they confessed them. And the next day, knowing they'll probably go out and do the same things all over again. And probably not even worried that they do them all over again. Because at the end of the day, again, they can just confess their sins and are forgiven. But that's not the salvation that God purchased for us. And and uh, trust we'll uh, be l- learning more about that as we go. But it is a beautiful verse. It is a verse that we need. I, I need it at times. I'm sure you need it at times. That moment when something does occur in our lives and we realize it wasn't pleasing to God and it was not a right response. It was flesh. It wasn't spirit. And there's a, and, and there's a, a, a guilt on our conscience and we can... A verse like this at that moment speaks into our hearts and, and guides us right what to do with it. Right what to do about our situation and confess our sins uh, uh, to God and, and repent and, and uh, we have the promise of forgiveness and, and if we wrong someone, make it right and so forth. <clears throat> Ephesians 1 verse 7 uh, talks about forgiveness in whom we have redemption through His blood the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. <clears throat> and uh, the, Paul says much the same thing in Colossians, in whom we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins. So, the believer has the assurance that his sins are forgiven. Uh, and, and what a blessing. Uh, and again, God does desire that we would experience that assurance that our sins are forgiven. God does not, uh, God is not somehow pleased if we just uh, linger around in a spot of uncertainty about our forgiveness. You know, uh, God provided it. And in a sense, it's, a, it's an affront to God if we don't receive it on the level that He provided it, that we would be free from the guilt of our sins and actually... Uh, rejoice in the forgiveness that Jesus has provided. The believer also has the assurance that he is a child of God, that God has adopted him as his child. John, the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 11 and 12, gives us a beautiful... uh, thought <clears throat> gospel of john chapter 1 verse 11 and 12 he came unto his own jesus it's uh, speaking of jesus here he came unto his own and his own received him not but as many as received him to them gave he power to become the sons of god even to them that believe on his name the uh, the word power there, I suppose it could mean different things, but in a sense it, it, it actually it gives this idea that he gave them the, the right to be the sons of God. He gave them uh, the provision to be the sons of God. If they, uh, as many as received them, uh, receive him, he gave them the right, the authority. I don't know, authority don't sound right, but... It's just the idea that the door is open. Come on in. Be a son. You know, you are a son. You you've uh, accepted the provision that God has made. <clears throat> he gave him uh, the power to become the sons of God. Romans eight again. Back to Romans eight. That 
is probably a scripture that we'll refer to quite frequently. Romans 8, verse 14 to verse 17. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And so there we have it confirmed also that uh, as a believer, we have the assurance of being a child of God, that we are adopted into the family of God. Uh, Galatians 4, verse 4 to 7. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because ye are sons, God hath sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son, and if a son, then an heir of God through, uh, through Christ. <clears throat> Those verses uh, really, really do give us a full picture of it because uh, that uh, verse 5, that we might receive the adoption of sons and because ye are sons, God sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts. Uh, just confirms again all the things that we've already been saying about the spirit of God coming into our hearts, that we are sons uh, God considers those that believe on Him, uh, that believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, that uh, uh, He considers them part of a family, that uh, we are all sons, you know, of God. And uh, we sometimes say sons and daughters. We, we know the Scriptures uses those terms in a, in a sense that includes us all. <clears throat> John 1 verse, uh, 1 John 3 verse 1, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. <clears throat> John describes that as a, what an amazing love that God would call us sons. That He would give us that kind of an honor, you might say, that we are the sons of God. That uh, we have a place in the family of God. That we have a, uh, uh, yeah, we're we're included in the family. <clears throat> so as many as receive him, to them gave he the power, the right, the privilege to become the sons of God. We have assurance of that as a believer in Christ. The next point we'd like to consider is that the that we have the assurance that God's love. For us is very real. <clears throat> that God does love us. And uh, again just referring to that verse there in 1 John 3. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us. That we should be called the sons of God. You know. As, uh, 
as uh, individuals, um, I think we all, you know, in our human experiences, we appreciate love. We appreciate uh, the assurance of being loved. Uh, we appreciate uh, the fact that we know that someone loves us. Uh, it's, it's, it's special to us. You know, God wants us to be assured of His love also. That, uh, that, uh, he, that we are special to Him. That uh, He cares for us. And First uh, John 3, verse 16, you can turn there. First John 3, verse 16, uh, talks about how we, uh, I believe that's the verse that talks about how we perceive the love of God. Let's... Let's look at that. 1 John 3.16. Yes. <clears throat> Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us. And of course then it says we ought also to lay down our lives for the brethren. And then also in 1 John 4 verses 9 to, 9 to verses. Let's see here. First 1 John 4 verse 9. Yes, in this was manifest the love of God toward us because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be a propitiation for us. And there we have it again that God manifested His love. Hereby perceive we the love of God. Verse 16 of chapter 3. And verse uh, in, in chapter 4 here, in this was manifested the love of God. You know, when uh, uh, love obviously is perceived and received and given in various ways. But one of the ways that love is given is when you see a need and uh, someone has a need and you meet that need uh, uh in a, you know, obviously in a rightful way, uh, you're demonstrating or you're uh, communicating love to that person. And God, seeing our need that He alone could meet, went to great lengths to meet it, to meet our need. And thus we perceive His love, and thus He demonstrates His love toward us. And uh, for those who receive the gift of salvation that He provided, uh, God. Uh, loves us. He has. Uh, uh, he cares for us. <clears throat> so, as a believer in Jesus Christ, we can. Our hearts should be assured of God's love toward us, that God does love us, and that God does care about us, that God does have our best in mind in life, and that He. Uh, he, uh, he is interested in the details of our lives. He's interested in the circumstances of our lives. He's interested in, in the experiences of our lives. That he, he, is, uh, he has not forgotten us, but that He loves us and He cares for us. <clears throat> so we can have that assurance. We can have the assurance of our sins forgiven. We can have the assurance of uh, being a child of God, and we can have the assurance that God loves us and cares for us.
like to go on and consider the work of the Spirit of God in our hearts. The uh, the Spirit of God, as we said already in uh, in Romans eight verse one, that the Spirit of God uh, that if uh, there's no condemnation to those who walk not in the flesh but in the Spirit, that if we uh, follow the Spirit of God, that it will work in our lives and that it will uh, work good things in our lives. So we'd like to consider that for a bit here today as we think about this sanctification and the work of God's Spirit in that. First point that we have here is that it cleanses and activates our conscience. First of all, let's just think a little bit on the fact of, of needing to have a conscience cleansed and activated. The, uh, the, in Titus 1, verse 15, in Scripture tells us that unto the pure all things are pure, but unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure, but even their mind and conscience is defiled. And that's the state of, of the unbeliever or the sinner. Maybe we just use the term the sinner. The conscience is defiled. The conscience is uh, uh, violated. It no longer identifies sin as sin. It no longer uh, brings any conviction. Uh, it's defiled. It's uh, soiled. It's stained. It doesn't work. It doesn't. Uh, it just. Uh, it's. It's of almost of no avail. And so, as sinners, we have. If uh, as a sinner, we probably all remember uh, before we were, uh, you know, born again. Before we were right with God, we probably remember what a. A defiled conscience was like a conscience that uh, hardly worked, <clears throat> and probably based on uh, our uh, lives and upbringing and background and parental teaching and all those things, probably makes a difference in how how our conscience worked. Uh, but uh, we know what a, uh, uh, a defiled conscience is like. <clears throat> One of the things that we discover in Hebrews nine. Uh, the uh, Hebrew writer, Hebrews 9, verse 9, uh, talks about the, uh, the Old Testament, the tabernacle and all the, the blood offerings, uh, the uh, animal uh, sacrifices that were given. And it talks, and it says here in verse 9, it says, which, which was a figure for the time then present, these uh, these uh, sacrifices were a figure for the time then present in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not make him that did the service perfect as pertaining to the conscience. And so uh, the, uh, the Old Testament sacrifices, while they, uh, they, you know, they were following God and obeying God in doing them, but it didn't free the man's conscience from the guilt of sin. As such, and uh, and the scripture goes on to say in Hebrews there in verse fourteen, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? And there we have the uh, the idea of a. A purged conscience, a renewed conscience, a conscience that is is cleansed and cleaned and 
and becomes active and becomes a, a, again becomes a, a, a guide to us. <clears throat> First Timothy 1 verse 5 says, Now the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart and of a good conscience and faith unfeigned. Uh, speaking of a pure, of a good conscience, there's a number of verses that actually speak of that, a good conscience, a pure conscience, uh, different things like that. And so one of the ministries of the, of the Holy Spirit is to, uh, to uh, again, awaken our conscience, to, to uh, purify it and to activate it and to have it uh, working in our lives and, and guiding us. <clears throat> Another uh, of the uh, ministries of the Holy Spirit in, uh, salve, in uh, sanctification is that of purifying the heart, thoughts, attitudes, motives, words, and deeds in our lives. Scripture reference that we have that is uh, pertinent to that subject is Ezekiel 37 verse 27. Where God in the Old Testament looking ahead at the time when he would, you know, uh, send his son, when he would... Uh, uh, bring about the fullness of his plan and purpose of salvation, says this, God says, I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statues and ye shall keep my judgments and do them. <clears throat> and so that scripture is speaking of the spirit of God working in a human heart and causing us, moving us in the direction of following God, of obeying God, of keeping God's uh, uh, precepts for us and uh, and to walk in them. Uh, let's go again to Romans 8, our uh, familiar uh, chapter uh, for this subject. When we think about the Spirit of God purif- working in, in uh, purifying our hearts, thoughts, motives, words, and deeds, etc., uh, Romans 8 has a lot to say about the Spirit of God and how it works in our lives. In uh, verse 13, it says this, For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. And so, it brings us right back to that, um, that, uh, that the, the battlefront, I guess you would say, of the flesh and of the Spirit. That if we live after the flesh, we will die. But if we, through the Spirit, mortify the deeds of the body. In other words, uh, with the, we could say allowing the Spirit or with the help of the Spirit or through the power of the Spirit, allow our lives to be sanctified. Allow our lives to be uh, cleansed of, of uh, fleshly responses and so forth. Uh, we will live. Uh, if we allow the Spirit of God to do His sanctifying and cleansing work in us and through, and through us. <clears throat> in verse 4 of that same chapter, verse uh, of chapter 8, that, this, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. The same idea that uh, the... Uh, and we could sum this up rather quickly if we recognize it talks about the righteousness of the law. Now, the scripture tells us that uh, there's two commandments on which the entire law hangs. And the one is to love the Lord our God with our, 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 all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and to love our neighbor as ourself. 
Those are the two commandments to mankind upon which the entire rest of instruction will always be given. Whether it's Old Testament or whether it's New. Uh, the Old Testament was built that way with uh, everything that was written underneath was always written under those two commandments. And uh, the idea about the Old Law was that it instructed us in how a person who would please God would live, but it did nothing to help the person attain that. Jesus came to give us the power to actually live it out. And uh, that's what he's saying here, that if we are walking in the Spirit, uh, and the Spirit is leading us, we will see those kind of responses. Uh, we will see the love of God, uh, uh, loving our God with all our soul, mind, and strength, and we will see loving our neighbor. Uh, we will see our responses coming from that perspective. And that's what... Uh, it's summing it up here. <clears throat> and so the Spirit of God will work that in us as we yield to Him and uh, allow Him to uh, have His place. If we walk in the Spirit, the Spirit will lead us in righteous living. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's not possible to live in ungodliness and say that we're walking in the Spirit. That's, uh, that's an impossibility. The Spirit of God will never lead us in walking in ungodliness. If we're walking in ungodliness and sin, we have to be convinced that it's our flesh. We're walking in the flesh, not in the Spirit. <clears throat> but the Spirit's ministry is to work that purifying uh, in our lives. Also, the next point as stated is that it cleanses us from the inside out. Uh, 1 Corinthians 3, verse 16, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? The Spirit of God dwells within us, and thus begins its changing work within, and the results are seen on the outside in our lives, in how we, uh, how we uh, relate to life. Uh, Jesus made this comment to the Pharisees in Matthew 23. He rebukes them. Because they focused on the outside. He says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you make clean the outside of the cup and the platter, but within they are full of extortions and excess. Thou blind Pharisee, cleanse first that which is within the cup and the platter, and then the outside of them may be clean also. And that is a beautiful principle of, the, of, of God. You know, uh, you sometimes hear the, the the comment that well, it's the heart that matters. It's the heart that matters, and and uh, why uh, you know, and that is actually true. But in the truest sense of the word, if the heart truly is changed, it will reflect on the outside. It'll reflect on the everyday life. It'll reflect on the responses. And so, uh, uh, it's not a gospel truth to defend carnal living with the comment that it's only the heart that matters, that it's the heart that matters, because if the heart, in fact, is uh, uh, under the, uh, is cleansed and sanctified and under uh, being led by the Spirit, it can't but help show up on the outside in the rest of life. So, it begins its work on the inside and cleaning us up in heart, which then results in a cleaning up of the life. next point we like to consider is that the uh, 
as we think about the Spirit of God and His work in our lives and sanctifying us, is that it inspires us as we feed on the Word of God. In, uh, in John chapter 14, verse 26, again where it speaks about, Jesus speaks about the Comforter coming, He says this, But the Comforter which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in My name, He shall teach you all things, and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have told you. Uh, he will teach you all things. First uh, Corinthians, I'm going to turn to First Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12 and 13. Again, speaking of uh, the Holy Spirit. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak, not as the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Uh, the, uh, the, with, the Spirit of God is uh, kind of reflected in, in these scriptures as a teacher. He's teaching us. He's uh, teaching us the truth. And as it says here, comparing th- spiritual things with spiritual. You know, the Spirit of God, when you're in your studies and you're studying a truth and... and uh, uh, you know, it's it's interesting or it's it's kind of uh, pleasant to consider the fact that the Spirit of God is there to to uh, guide your thoughts and bring to your mind and your memory other scriptures that pertain to the same subject. For example, here it says comparing spiritual things with spiritual. So you're studying a subject and you're pondering something and all of a sudden another verse comes into mind that... Relates to the same subject. Uh, you ever stop and consider that? It, it's, it may be the ministry of the Spirit of God as He's teaching you a truth. And He's just helping you understand a truth. And so He brings to your mind another verse of Scripture that relates to that subject. And so He inspires our hearts as we study the Scriptures. And He, he has, a, he has a, uh, uh, a ministry of that of inspiring our hearts and encouraging our hearts and and blessing us as we study the Word of God and uh, ponder it and are encouraged by it. <clears throat> so the ministry of the Holy Spirit and uh, in sanctification and... Uh, And his work in our lives is to uh, cleanse and to activate our conscience. It's to purify our heart, thoughts, motives, words, deeds. Uh, it's to cleanse us from the inside out. And it's to inspire us as we feed on the word of God. And I would suppose there could be more said to that. But uh, I'm going to move on. The next point we'd like to consider is that salvation begins when we are saved and continues through life as we follow our Lord. <clears throat> First Peter 1 verse 2, elect, elect according to the foreknowledge of God through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Christ. Uh, the, uh, uh, the scripture there is simply referring through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience. Uh, the idea of the Spirit of God working sanctification as we obey the truth that uh, 
that is, is given to us. In First uh, Thessalonians chapter 5, we have uh, a beautiful scripture on sanctification. The scripture teaches us here, it gives us various uh, instructions, and then in verse 23 of chapter 5, it says this, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray God your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus. And there we have the subject of sanctification uh, spoken of here. The very God of peace sanctify you wholly. The, uh, but in order for that to happen, I think it's important that we look at the previous, uh, exhortations. The, the, uh, it ta- the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. Can that sanctification take place apart from the previous verses, the previous instructions that are given here? It says here, and it's, there's, you know, how far back do you go? But uh, we have, uh, let's just take them from the bottom up. We have the verse 22 says, abstain from all appearance of evil. So abstaining from all appearance of evil is our responsibility in light of the fact that God wants to sanctify us wholly. So we have the responsibility of abstaining from all appearance of evil in order that God can accomplish what He really wants to do in our lives. We can back up just a little more. Prove all things, hold fast that which is good. And we definitely live in a world today where you've got to prove all things, don't you? We live in a world of communication, the communication age. And communication is is at lightning speed and at truckload volumes, you know. And there's so much that come, uh, can, we can come our way. And we need to prove all things. We do need to test the things that come our way, that we take in, that we, uh, uh, that, uh, and, and hold fast that which is good. Hold fast that which is according to godliness. And if we will do that, then the very God of peace will work that sanctification in us that he is desiring to work. We could look at it that way. We could keep backing up. Uh, Quench not the Spirit, verse 19. Uh, The Spirit of God does work in our lives uh, to uh, fulfill that sanctification. And so as we give heed to the instructions given us, the exhortations that are given us, then God, the very God of peace, will sanctify us. He will sanctify us wholly and uh, preserve us unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, when we think about uh, sanctification, my mind went to, uh, well, first of all, John 17, verse 17, where Jesus said, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Uh you know, we are sanctified, we are sanctified when sanctification begins when we are saved and continues through life as we follow the Lord. Sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. You know, why do we read the word? Why do we make it a part of our everyday life? Why do we memorize it? Why do we try to have it tucked away? What did the proverb writer say? Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his ways? 
or psalmist rather, by taking heed thereto according to thy word. The word of God has a sanctifying effect on us and, uh, and it's a lifelong sanctifying. <clears throat> Jesus, or not, uh, the comment is made, Paul makes the comment in Ephesians about Christ in Ephesians 5 where it's uh, comparing a a husband and wife to Christ in his church. It says in in verse 25, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. Again, the sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. And that is the uh, that is the heart of Christ. I believe that uh, He does want to sanctify us and be able, uh, like this uh, uh, verse in Thessalonians. God and I pray God, your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. That is the heart of God. That we as believers would be sanctified. That. As we go through life and we feed on the Word of God and the Spirit of God is working uh, in our hearts as the Word, we study the Word, we hear it preached, we, we uh, uh, read it on a daily basis and uh, the Word of God has a sanctifying effect on us and preserves us uh, unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> So it's a sanctification which begins when we are saved and continues all through life. Next point we like to consider, as it's stated in the confession, is that the Holy Spirit does not possess us like a demon. He never forces us to do anything against our will. And this uh, comment, you might uh, wonder why it's there perhaps. And uh, it may not necessarily strike a chord with us in our culture as much as it would in a uh, in some of the uh, more animistic cultures where demon worship and demon possession and demon control is a much more out front thing. Uh, and that's uh, part of why it's stated this way. The, the, and what I'd like to say here is that, and, it, and we need this truth, the Holy Spirit does not possesses like a demon. He never forces us to do anything against His will. And I'd like to just say, the Holy Spirit does not work independently of our will. And that's something that's important for us to realize. You know, it's uh, uh, we can't just put ourselves in park and the Holy Spirit does it all. Or neutral. We have to be actively involved in, in as a person, as a, as a being. The Holy Spirit doesn't just take over Take control and drive us. And we'll look at that a bit here. He he works with us to teach us, to instruct us, and then to empower us to live the truth. Like it says here in 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 19, quench not the spirit. Uh, The spirit, we can quench the spirit in our lives. He doesn't just run ahead without us. He doesn't just uh, have a purpose that he's going to fulfill. And if we and, and he and he and if we kick and scream, he doesn't just push through. He uh, he works at uh, getting us to the place where 
We work with him in accomplishing it. Ephesians 4 verse 30 says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Grieve not the Spirit. You know, we can grieve the Spirit of God. We can quench the Spirit of God. And when we do that, when we uh, deliberately go against what the Spirit of God is endeavoring to work in our lives, He won't just move on and do what He was going to do. It requires a cooperation on our part. And so in that way, he is very different than a, a devil. When a, a person is possessed by a devil, they're basically out of their own control. Many times, uh, in, uh, they, they take on a different personality. They do things they'd never do if they were in their own sound mind. And just like the, the, the demon, demonic in the scriptures where he was uh, lived out among the tombs naked, you know, in his right mind, he wouldn't have done it. But he was, uh, he was controlled by a demon. <clears throat> legions actually <clears throat> and so that in that way the spirit of God differs it does not work it does not do its thing it does not take over in our lives and just do uh, what it wants done it works with us to accomplish what it wants done and what God wants done in our lives <clears throat> alright moving on Our next point, we will grow in the grace of God according to our willingness to submit to God and His Holy Spirit. First, or second Timothy, actually, I think I noticed an incorrect scripture reference here. The... uh, Scripture reference is 1 Timothy in our booklet. is actually 2 Timothy, I believe, chapter 2, verse 21. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use, prepared unto every good work. And maybe we should, uh, maybe we should get a little bit of context there. 2 Timothy 2, 21. Uh, t- talks a bit about uh, uh, a house, a great house. Uh, in a great house, there's uh, not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and earth and some to honor and some to dishonor. And, and basically speaking about our lives, I believe, how that, you know, there's, there's things in our lives that are good and right. There's things in our lives that are probably not, shouldn't be there as a believer. And he says, if a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use. And so as we, as we submit to God and to the Spirit working in our lives, we continue to grow and we are useful to God. In 2 Corinthians 7 verse 1, having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. <clears throat> and also, 1 John 2, verse 24, Let that therefore abide in you which ye have heard from the beginning. If that which ye have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, ye also shall continue in the Son and in the Father. You know, it's a lifelong journey. Uh, walking with God and growing in, in God and, and being sanctified and growing in the grace of God is a lifelong journey. And how we respond to God uh, makes a difference how, uh, how uh, would you say, how quickly we grow, 
how fast we grow, how uh, how uh, what the uh, res- what the result is. <clears throat> Submission and obedience is a lifelong journey. As we follow the Lord, we will see growth. As we submit to His uh, will and His uh, purposes in our lives, we will see growth and uh, and fruit. Uh, of the Spirit increasing in our lives. <clears throat> and then lastly, we must daily choose to continue to walk in the commands of Christ who will keep us from falling into sin and present us with all our sins forgiven before God's throne. We must daily choose to walk in the commands of Christ, who will then keep us from falling into sin and present us with our sins forgiven before God's throne. Jude 1.24, Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. That's a, a familiar one to us. Also, Second Peter, chapter 1, verse 5. <clears throat> Speaking about uh, being uh, kept from falling and being presented to God. This uh, scripture, and I'm going to read verse Second uh, Peter 1, verse 5 through verse 11. And just notice, uh, just pay attention to the, to the context. It's, uh, it's a very uh, promise-filled uh, scripture. It says, and beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure, for if ye do these things, ye shall never fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The... uh, Verses 5 through 7 there, beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith. The idea there is that of, you know, you've, you've believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. You've been born again. You, uh, you've uh, obtained that uh, salvation. And uh, you're, you're, you've, you have faith in God. Now he says, Add to your faith or flesh out your faith is the way I like to look at it. You know, put some meat on the bones and here's how you, how you do it. Uh, add, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, knowledge temperance, temperance patience, patience godliness, godliness brother kindness. All those very practical things that uh, can be a, a part of our life and experience and that if we do those things... He says we'll never fall. You know, there's a few scriptures that tell us that if we do this or that, we'll never fall. But this one does. I'm just going to take it for what it says. I mean, it's, 
it's a powerful uh, statement to say that. You'll never fall. And then he goes on and says, For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And notice he says, An entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly. It's not barely. You won't just kind of be brought in, you know, kind of hidden. A grand celebration when you come through the gates, you know, kind of thing is what I see there, you know. An abundant entrance. Uh, And so that is the, uh, as we walk with God, as we flesh out our faith, as we allow the Spirit of God to work in our lives uh, through life, sanctifying us, cleansing us, uh, renewing us, we have the blessed hope, the blessed confidence of an entrance unto the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We have that promise. And I'd like to just simply conclude again with our thoughts from Romans 8 verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Therein lies the the battle that uh, you and I will face the remainder of our days to walk in the Spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Shall we bow our heads for prayer? Our God, we come again in the name of Jesus. Thank you for Christ, for salvation. Thank you, Father, for the Holy Spirit that is sent to minister to us and uh, make us and perfect us as heirs of eternal salvation. Father, we pray that again today each heart could have grasped some truth that would uh, just be a boost to their spirit, would encourage them in the right way, would uh, strengthen their faith, Lord. Father, you are the Lord. We are your people. We do ask a blessing on each one present here today. May your grace and truth and uh, care be uh, felt and multiplied to each one. Father, thank you again for the scriptures. Thank you for the freedom to gather and uh, be able to worship you undisturbed by the world around us. Thank you for governments who make that uh, allow us to do that. And again, Lord, if it uh, be according to your purposes, that that could continue. And Lord, forgive us if we walk carelessly and uh, uh, regarding the freedoms we have. And if we use them as an occasion to our flesh, Lord, help us to see and to be convicted and to change our ways, Lord. For we realize not all have the freedom that we enjoy here. And we do ask a blessing on the persecuted church and those who uh, do not have freedom to gather, those who are uh, even today mourning the loss of loved ones because of uh, uh, persecutions. Lord, would you comfort your people in all their conditions of life and and, uh, continue, Lord, to build your church. And Father, we do look forward to that day, as the scripture says, that 
an entrance being ministered abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord Jesus. Father, I pray that each one of us could live in the, uh, with that blessed hope and confidence, Lord, as we walk with you through this life, we ask in Christ's name. Amen. <coughs>